This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and is not intended to constitute gambling advice. Views and opinions expressed are solely those of the commentators and do not reflect the views of Sirius XM or its affiliates, nor do those views or opinions guarantee or increase the likelihood of any outcome. If you choose to engage in any gambling activity, you do so at your own risk. Sirius XM Sports Bet Primetime, September 23rd. Rob Longley, Post Sports Media, Blue Jays beat writer, joins us today. Let's talk a little Blue Jays stretch drive. Never hurts to have a little inside info, inside information when you're trying to place a bet. Of course, it's all above board. It's all legal. Just a little tip, a little tidbit, a little bit of information that not everyone might have access to. So if you have a little edge on the public, better, a little bit better position from which to make a decision and to place a wager. What's wrong with that? Just spice things up a little bit, right? And it can only help, only make it more fun for you, potentially more profitable. Maybe it'll help you lose money. Either way, we're betting responsibly. We're having fun with it. But hey, let's gain as much information. Let's make our process as sound as possible. We're confident. Make the whole process of deciding how to bet that much more fun. So great way to do that is to talk to someone with some expertise and some someone with their finger on the pulse of the team and the organization. And there's no one better. There's no one more favorably positioned to do exactly that than our guest today, Joining John and I on the show, Toronto City Cast number three, Mr. Rob Longley. So we had a great discussion with Rob on NFL matters, for which he's also one of the best in the business at picking winners. But also as the Blue Jays beat writer, he has access to people and discussions and information about the club that a lot of us, including myself, don't have. So without any further delay, let's join our conversation. John, myself, Rob Longley. Hey, boys. Okay, and yeah, we want to touch on the Blue Jays, obviously, in the uh, home stretch at this point. So they're in Florida currently. Tough one. Another tough one, John. Yesterday, uh, it's frustrating watching uh, Barrios, who sort of looked like he was turning the corner. We know how we feel, but Rob uh, Longley is here, uh, Blue Jays beat writer, uh, and we're going to get his take. But was it irritating to watch, John? Were you flipping to the football game? I, man, I told you. I, I mean, I, 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 didn't, I stopped watching. <laughs> and it's important to take, get Rob's take, who has to do this professionally has to watch these teams professionally. <laughs> what does he do when he sees a situation like that? Luckily, luckily the Jays have been pretty good this year. But Rob, first of all, give us an overview on the on the Jays. Or no, I'm sorry. Secondly, do that. First of all, what do you do when a team is looking as pathetic as the Blue Jays did last night uh, and the game is over early? You go to the back of the press box and you get a hot dog and just <laughs> nice. hope that the, 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 the pain abates at some point. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's tough, you know. Like, it's... This team, it's just so wildly inconsistent. And, I mean, there's you can't count them out because they can get on one of their hot streets, right? So now they're one and three in their last four after that Barrios effort last night, which has become too familiar with him, unfortunately. But they were 13 and four before that. So if you go 13 and four, you're going to, you know, you're going to be in a pretty good place by the end of the month, right? Mm-hmm. Um but the inconsistencies are, are an issue, and I think I think the depth of the rotation is is would be my biggest concern right now, right? Because you can go with uh, obviously you're going to go with Gosman and Manoa or, or flip flop those two, 
as, as the, the start of your rotation in, in a playoff series. But then what do you do for the third spot? Do you continue to run out uh, Ross Stripling, who has, in my opinion, overachieved, but thankfully from the, for the Blue Jays because they wouldn't be anywhere near where they are without him? Or do you hope you, you get the good Barrios that you spent $71 million on and you still haven't seen that yet? And, um, you know, there's, there's a segment of, of, the, of the Blue Jays fandom and, and uh, analysts out there that don't think that Barrios is as, as bad as he's been. Um, because he just has a number of bad outings, but uh, and the, and the, the ones that aren't bad outings are are decent, and I'm not so sure I buy into that um, because even in his good outings, it seems like um, he gets rescued by his, his defense a lot. He still takes uh, uh, st- hitters still take him deep into counts, and he's he just hasn't had that uh, that even scent of dominance that they signed him to be. I mean, he was their opening day starter and he lasted one out, right? Last night he lasted six out, 74 pitches in, in two innings. So um, when they have nights like that and when they have nights like they they did in, uh, when they lost to Tampa a week or so ago in Toronto and lost 11 nothing, you know, it's, it's a frustrating team. And I think um, the overriding view is this four-game series in – in Tampa this weekend is probably the last games you want to play here. Whatever you whatever you do down the stretch of the regular season, you want to have to avoid coming to what John Gibbons used to call the, the Gibby's House of Horrors because bad things happen to the Blue Jays in in St. Petersburg. And you know, I think if there's any incentive uh, to, uh, to to secure home field advantage, that would be high on the list. That's Matt's theory about uh, Stripling and Barrios. Uh, Rob, it's interesting. Uh, I think everybody among the fandom is saying, "Oh, it's going to be Barrios. It's going to be Barrios." Do all the things you you say, and Matt's has stepped up and sort of said, "No, no, no. It's not Barrios. It's Stripling." It might have to be right. It's well, it's horrifying, and as you said, they're trying to uh, sort of rationalize that uh, deal, which looks absolutely terrible. Hopefully, it'll settle down over the years because it's an yeah. uh, looks like an untradeable contract at this point, and uh, you know. Don't get me started on Yusei Kikuchi, uh, but uh, <laughs> I say he sucks. Still paying uh, Hyunjin Ryu twenty million dollars and still paying Randall Grichuk six or seven million bucks or whatever. So there's a lot of to me uh, really ugly contracts that the Jays are dealing with, and and just the spin that we tend to get not from you but from a lot of the typical channels for Blue Jays media um, around trying to make those things look less awful than they actually are. So that would include if it ripples through to Brios getting a start instead of Ross Stripling in a playoff situation as your third starter, then that might be the uh, <laughs> proverbial straw that broke the camel's back for me and uh, Ross Atkins and Shapiro because that would be irresponsible and wrong. I know Stripling had a bit of a rocky outing, but statistically there's no comparison. I mean, as far as I, last I saw, Brios has the worst ERA in the American League for qualified starters. And so I'm not sure what the argument would be to put him out there. I know his record, I think his record is better at, Roger Center, right, Rob? I think then slightly better than on the road, but uh, that's not saying yeah. much, is it? No, not really. And it's it's uh, you know it's it's an interesting debate. It will become a really interesting debate when we get down to to the to the postseason uh, regarding who you will go with, Brios or, or Stripling, because stuff wise, you know, Brios he, he he's a better pitcher, right? I mean, he's he's got more elite stuff than what. Uh, Ross Stripling does, but Stripling, you know, he's got five or six pitches that he'll use. He's developed a, a changeup that is starting to remind us of the one that Marco Estrada had. It's not that that elite of a pitch yet, but but he's he's got so much versatility in his arsenal, and um, he's a smart dude, so he knows how to employ it. And 
he uh, he hits his spots, right? He doesn't leave a even though his fastball is modest, 91, 92 miles an hour, he doesn't leave it over the heart of the plate. He pitches to spots and he mixes up uh, his those five or six pitches that he has in his in his uh, arsenal, and that's what's made him effective. Um, never going to be a shutdown guy, but he's going to be a guy that would be a good fourth or fifth starter on a, on a good team and, and and give you a chance to win many of the nights that he gets his starts. You notice that uh, very rarely um, does John Schneider or Pete Walker let uh, Stripling get anywhere near a, th- a third time through the order. And there's a reason for that, right? He's not elite. He's just a smart, adequate, uh, dialed-in pitcher right now with a good arsenal. But when when hitters get on to him, they, they can knock him around a little bit, like, like what happened to him in his previous start. But, man, if you're coming down to a must-win game in the postseason, I don't know how you – don't give him at least a very serious look, especially when it's uh, when it's uh, in direct comparison with uh, Jose Barrios. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I mean, the one sort of positive, as you say, the record in September has been immaculate, right, John? And uh, we, offensively, overall, things have been going pretty well. Uh, Vladdy's been on, not a terror, but he's been hitting well. Bo's been the best hitter in baseball. Chapman, Tao's doing well, etc. So when you look at this team going forward, so of course we're all me uh, front of the line looking very narrowly at the imminent playoffs in October baseball and getting excited about that. But I'd be interested in your take on what, or, you know, however, whatever direction you want to take it, but just with the discussion around the potential extension uh, of Vladdy and, and Orpo and what's, what are you hearing as far as what the organization's uh, focus is uh, on a timeline for the two of them. And especially when you look at, you know, it's not necessarily the uh, J-Rod deals that are 500 million or whatever, or Soto that what he's looking for and those types of things, but even more towards like the Wander Franco end of things or uh, Acuna or those types of deals at the front, at the smaller end of the scale. And it's more difficult for me when you got like Bo with second in hits in the league and Vladdy at sixth in the league and Vladdy with all these, you can't turn around with a day of something where he's the youngest to ever do X, Y, or Z in Blue Jays history or league history. And he's expressed an interest in staying and you just there's there's risk that needs to be assumed on both sides in those discussions, of course, but it seems like a logical risk. I mean, who in their right mind would be faulting management, Rogers, you know, right down through Shapiro and Atkins, who would be faulting them a year or two from now if those deals didn't turn out perfectly based on the track record at this point and everything we've seen from those two guys seems like it's time for a more significant investment. Yeah, like as you as you would imagine, guys, um, the, the Jays keep any such talk very close to their vest. Uh, they don't want to tip their hand on on either player other than to say that it's you know sort of an ongoing thing. Um, my sense from being around the team and being around the players is that um, if there was going to be one or the two that would be more likely to be signed to a long-term deal, it would be Vlad Guerrero Jr. And, and he did, he has sort of intimated that recently saying that, yeah, he loves Toronto, he loves Canada, he loves the franchise, blah, 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 which of course they're going to say, but he's more public about that than, than what Bo Bichette has ever been. And I, I don't know if I can, you know, go as strong as suggesting that there's animosity uh, from the Bichette camp towards towards management, but I think that that uh, there will be there might be less bend to, to Bichette's approach to signing a long term deal than there would be with with Guerrero. I mean, I think Bo will try the open market as as uh, as he probably should, being the kind of player that he that he is. And unless it was a blow his socks off um, 
extension offer from the Jays before he becomes a free agent. I think that that he would wait for free agency. I may be completely off base on that. Um, and the events of the next six weeks could could help decide that a little bit too, right? If this these guys have not seen the Rogers Center like what it was in 2015 and 2016, and if this team goes into a third round, if they get to the ALCS and see what 50,000 people at that dome uh, it can be like and how the whole country embraces them after being essentially three years not having the, the opportunity to play in front of that kind of crowd. Yeah, they've had 40,000 there for, for a bunch of games in August and September, but it isn't the same. Like, John, I don't know if you were at any of that, or, or Matt, if you were at any of those games but in 15 and 16, but the building literally shakes. And people around baseball comment on that, how, you know, despite all these great stadiums in, in, in around the league, that, that there were a few that uh, – the top, the, uh, the atmosphere of what the Jays went through in 2015, 2016. So if this team makes a run early, um, like by early, I mean this year or next year, maybe that helps the process of, of extending them. But maybe it does the opposite too. Maybe it just it, it just enhances their attraction as free agents around the rest of the rest of baseball. Of course, it's going to be an ama- it's going to be a, a very huge story surrounding this ball club. Uh, the deeper they go without without extending either player, and it's it's going to be fascinating to see how it uh, how it evolves. Yeah, I got to pass the John, but just going to just interject one of these. I know we've all heard these a million times, but I thought this one was particularly striking from Sportsnet. Notable players with back to back thirty home run seasons, age twenty three or younger: Mike Trout, A Rod, Ted Williams, Jimmy Fox, Albert Pujols, Frank Robinson. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. So, uh, yeah, wow. he's in uh, increasingly rare company. Uh, and, I only know about half of those players. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy Fox. Uh, uh, so, yeah. Well, last uh, last question, Rob. Uh, now, um, okay, now give me a winner, right? Uh, <laughs> what what does the American League look like? What who, who is it, is it? Those six, you know, that we've uh, we, we all know who they are, and uh, what's the ranking, and who emerges, and what uh, what kind of price do you think we can get there on? So are we talking value or on, on logical uh, winners in the American Right, that's, that's the, uh, both, I'd yeah. say, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, you know what, it's, it's crazy, and I'm, I'm the, as you know, John, I'm the farthest thing from, from a homer, but um, if you're looking for value, maybe the value is on the Blue Jays. Uh, I saw, I think I, it was on Bodog uh, just the other day, I saw 16-1 to 1 to win the World Series, and they've been as low as 12 and 10-1 to 1 in, in recent weeks, and while that's not, doesn't classify them as a long shot um it does speak to what i suggested earlier that they've recently had a 13 and 4 run in them and if they have a anywhere near that kind of a run um it, uh, you know as we get to the postseason then they, they could be a serious factor and there's there's a, there's a real singular mindset to this team right now too um that's helping them to prepare mentally for the for the the challenges of 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 the playoffs and that's that's that each series that they go into the goal is to win the series, which is sort of a mindset that helps you get through the grind of a baseball season, but it also prepares you eventually for the challenge of winning a series when a series really matters. And I believe yep. it's seven consecutive series now that they have not lost. The, they, they split that one in Philly earlier this earlier this week, one and one, but they won their mm-hmm. six previous series. Uh, and of course they dropped the opener in the four game series to to Tampa here this weekend, but if they, if they, you know, if they're, they're able to, to win the next three, um, not only would it give them the tie break should the two teams uh, end up tied, it would be another series win. And that's, that's the way, you know, like we hear athletes talk all the time about, you know, day at a time, day at a time, but 
I think there is something – baseball is that kind of a game, right? You can really – you really must flush uh, good or bad every game because you got 160 more of them to play. But when you, when you break it down into segments as specific as a series, I think that mindset could, could play well for them uh, in the postseason. Um, and the, they've shown enough streaky form on the positive side that at 16 to 1, yeah, I, you know what? Maybe they're worth a little bit of a, a plunge. You can get them at eighteen to one, Rob, on uh, on Bet Rivers, which uh, we, we encourage go. everyone go to Bet Rivers, join up, uh, put in uh, what's our code, John? Prime time. Prime time. Make sure you Prime insert that. Prime time. I love it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's value, right? Eighteen to one. I mean, it's yeah, exactly. You know, the, for the team with, with that much talent and that depth, with flaws, but with that much depth, but one that can can get on a heater, eighteen to one is is probably a pretty square price. Agreed, and I remember the, your point about the winning a series, John. I think after, Rob, after the uh, Tulowitzki and David Price acquisitions in 2015, I think they went on a crazy tear that year as well. And I don't think they lost a series after the trade deadline or something along those lines. And they had a unbelievably strong uh, September as well. But uh, yeah, hopefully they can replicate some of that success and maybe even take it a little deeper if we can. Yeah. But uh, right, John. Yeah, no, I think I'm, I'm excited about the team. I, I think Houston is still the best team, right? I think still sure. they're, they're not value, certainly quote value, but they're the best team. And uh, mm-hmm. I, I can't see how, how they lose, but uh, anything happens in, uh, in September and October baseball. Yeah. Here's a, here's a point towards Houston, which it would be a point against the blue Jays right now. And I think a point of emphasis in them trying to secure that top wildcard spot, because if they don't, um, they're going to have to go to either likely Seattle or Tampa for the first round. First of all, they would finish the season with, with three games in Baltimore, ending the regular season on Wednesday. And let's say Seattle finishes as the top seed. Thursday, you fly to Seattle, you play Friday, Saturday, Sunday in the best of three in Seattle. Monday, you fly to Houston. And then have to to face the the best team in the American League in, in in that uh, in that divisional round series. So that would be a really tough road for them, um, and I think it would grind grind them down a little bit. And I think that's why there is an emphasis on the team right now to try to hold on to that wild that, that top wild card spot um, and get the top seed and, and and open up at home to avoid that kind of a a real rigorous uh, itinerary when when the games are going to be tough and. Um, I don't think, you know, if you, if you can help it, you'd like, love to avoid Houston. Uh, but as Manoa told me the other day, it doesn't matter. We've got to beat them all anyway. Right, yeah. exactly. That's, Sooner or later. That's why that. there's, that, yeah, that's why there's some attraction to the third seed. You know, you're likely going to face Cleveland in the, in the first round and then, then go the Yankees, right? Which would be more favorable than playing the Astros. But people who think, people who are of the mind that the, uh, the guardians are an easy out, uh, might want to take a little bit of a deeper look at what, what they've been doing, mm-hmm. not just, uh, all season, but especially of late and look at the man who manages that team, Terry Francona, who knows a little bit how to grind out wins in, in, in tough situations. So, you know, it's not as easy as, as people might think to, yeah, let's, let's play the AL central, uh, champ and, and go that way. Um, but yeah, anyway, yeah, eighteen to one, sixteen to one. That's that's worth a little bit of a bang for me. All right, take the Twins, Guardians, and White Sox beating up on each other all year in that division uh, might uh, sort of belie the strength of some of those teams. Yeah, the Guardians, no picnic, yeah. right, John? Yeah, and the White and White Sox yeah. have had every opportunity in the on in, in the last you know two months to get there now. So the, right. Um, yeah, no, no. I uh, whatever. I I see that the I see the Guardians in good form right now, but. Uh, 
but it, it, it comes down to me, the Astros and the Blue Jays in terms of what it is. I'm playing against the Yankees on against with anybody. Um, so it's right. to me, the Astros and Blue Jays. But um, anyways, that's hardly, uh, hardly shocking talk uh, about uh, liking the Astros that much and, and being from Toronto and, but still seeing value, liking the Blue Jays as well. Excellent. Okay, Rob, really appreciate it. Great stuff as always. Thanks, Rob. I'll uh, talk to you after. All right, take care. Thank you. Sounds good, guys. Okay. Thanks, man.